Well, Sherry and I are glad to be here. It's been uh, since 2012 that we were here last, and uh, Bert and I stay in touch, and we talk quite frequently, and I'm just thrilled to be here. We're spending uh, 10 days in Texas, so we've been down in the, the valley, down in McAllen this weekend, and we flew into Houston and then rented a car and drove down to McAllen. That's a long daggum ways down there, and... Uh, and then we drove back up here yesterday, and so we're here tonight, and we're going to Dallas to see our son, Jason, who lives in Dallas. How about that? We got some Texans in the family. And, uh, and then we're going back to Houston. I'm preaching in LaPorte, Texas at Life Community Church on Sunday morning, and then we'll fly back to Kansas City on Monday. So I always look for a reason to come to Texas. And when I get off the plane and they pick me up and they say, where do you want to eat? I always say... Tex-Mex. So, because you can't have too much Tex-Mex. That's what I'm saying. But again, we're thrilled to be here. And how many of you have never heard me before? A whole bunch of you. Well, Sherry and I live in Kansas City. We have three children. Of course, Jason lives in Dallas. Our daughter, Amanda, uh, works for us. Amanda has two kids. And uh, the youngest is 14. And um, and then our daughter, Jessica, lives in Washington, D.C. and works for the Defense Department. And she, her and her husband, Leroy, have four children, four boys. And our grandson, Aaron, tonight is a Marine in Afghanistan. And so Aaron's getting ready to come home, and he asked for prayers to know what to do. So he's been serving. His brother, Seth, just got back from Afghanistan. So we find ourselves with a military family. But Sherry and I have been, for the last 18 years, we've been traveling uh, in churches pretty much every week. And uh, that we believe in the local church and we want to spend our life doing everything that we can to help people enjoy and understand church because Jesus saved our soul, but church saved our lives. And, uh, and so we've dedicated our adult life uh, to doing church ministry, but because of my music, as Pastor Burt mentioned, we're able to be outside of the church in non-church venues. And I'm, I get really thrilled about that. So we're constantly um, doing that kind of stuff. We're out playing in bars and nightclubs and prisons and uh, music festivals and biker rallies, like Bert mentioned, uh, for the last several years. Well, actually, for over 10 years, uh, we've been going to Sturgis. For the last uh, two years, we've been performing, actually, it's been three years, we've been performing at a place called the Buffalo Chip, which is the... Uh, it's in the top five concert venues of the world, and uh, they asked us to come in 2016. They asked us to come and open for some guy from Texas named Willie Nelson, and so we did that. Everybody wants to know, did you meet Willie? And it's like, no. You know, Willie was 83, and he wasn't feeling real good, so he hired the Hells Angels to do security backstage because he didn't want us messing with him, and so, uh, but our drummer stayed in our bus, and when they came to get Willie out of the bus, they opened the door and a big plume of smoke came out, you know. So that's Willie. He had his 85-year-old sister with him playing piano, baby sister. And then this last year, we were invited back, and we got to open for the Doobie Brothers. And that was so cool because their first song was, Jesus is Just All Right. Kind of set the tone for the night. But, uh, but in doing that, you know, churches like you, you know, churches like this one and folks like you help us financially be able to afford to take those opportunities because a lot of the places we go, they don't, 
they don't compensate us. They can't, we can't even pay the bills if they do pay us off of what we make. But we find people there that are just like you and I, and they're hurting, and they need answers in their lives, and we're able to sow seeds into their hearts. So when we come to places like this and, and preach and you all give us an offering, it helps us to be able to do that. And then we have some resources back here in the back, and those also help us to do it. There's a whole bunch of my music back there. I'll mention a few of them. Um, New Old Stuff, I mentioned that, which is a collection of hymns and gospel songs. Uh, I recorded two albums last year. This one uh, is a missions project for us. So we, we record these and we send them out to blues radio around the world. And so to date, this record's had airplay in, um, since August in over 120 countries around the world. And I'm going to talk about internet radio play. I'm talking about like real radio station radio play. And um, this, is a, a, this album's called This Is Blues Country. And so when I was growing up at my house, if you, Marge and Pete, you came to Marge and Pete's house, they were going to listen to both kinds of music, country and western. And as bad as I hated that music, it somehow got inside my heart. So I did this album of cover songs from old classic country songs from the 50s and 60s. And so there's some Hank Williams on here, there's some Marty Robbins, there's some Hank Snow, there's some Buck Owens and the Buckaroos on there too, so... So anyway, the first song I sang tonight, Exchange, is on the album titled Exchange. And, uh, and then let me mention just a couple of other things. We have a, there's a DVD back on the table called The Little Girl Wins. And it's got this picture of this beautiful young lady hanging on me. And uh, the, thing, the reason why we have this here is because her name's Jessica and she's my daughter. But we didn't meet until 2011 when she was 38 years old. And so that DVD is the story of her and I telling the story of how we met. All kinds of, mir- of miracles and miraculous things happen to make that possible. But uh, she is our girl, and uh, she has such a heart for ministry. And so that's back there, too. One other thing, I'll just mention this. My book is back there. If you haven't read my book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave. And then finally, there's some relationship teaching series back there. And listen, it's like this. Our relationships are broken. Sherry and I would know, what's that lo- know what that is like because if you know our story, you know that we were married and divorced. Like I met Sherry at a Black Sabbath concert, and we were both tripping. And I couldn't tell if she was really that beautiful or if I was hallucinating. And, uh, and so we got married, and then three years into our marriage, we got in a fight one night, and I lost. And three days later, after reconstructive surgery on my face, my grandmother, Granny, agreed to pay for our divorce. And so you know your marriage is jacked up when Granny will pay for your divorce. (laughs) And so here's a series that Sherry and I taught together called The Marriage of Your Dreams. Our marriages are in trouble, and they don't have to be, because it's all a matter of you being willing to be taught. And if you're willing to be taught, God says, I'll work with that, and it doesn't matter what you don't have. Just let me, let me have that, and we'll, get, we'll take care of all the rest. And so, you know, I would just advise you to do that. There's a couple other series back there, too, but I won't, um, I won't mention them. All right? So I got about 20 minutes to preach the word, and I can do it in that amount of time. 
So let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you that you called us together tonight for this specific purpose. There'll never be another time like this one. Lord, it's unique and it's it's definitely full of opportunity and power. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that as I preach that this message would be a message that we can do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, Sherry and I have the opportunity to be in prisons all over America. And a few years back, we had the opportunity to go into prison with a world-renowned, like fought for the heavyweight championship of the world boxer. And he comes from a fighting family. His dad is Smoking Joe Frazier, and his name is Marvis Frazier. And Marvis, he fought for the heavyweight championship of the world. And any time we'd go into prison with Marvis, all the inmates would instantly recognize him. And they'd start screaming out. They'd say, Marvis, hey, Marvis, man, what's it like to fight Tyson? What's it like to fight Tyson? Because Marvis fought Mike Tyson. And Marvis would always say, he said, well, you know how it is when you hear the roar of the crowd? He said, when you fight Mike Tyson, it's like this. Everything goes quiet. So if you had a week like that, like you've been fighting Tyson, I got the good news for you. Jesus is here to stay. He stepped into the ring to fight the fight for you. And you just have to trust him. Well, I want to make a disclaimer before I start preaching because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to make a political statement. I'm about the least political person that you have ever met. If you follow me on social media, you will not find political commentary on my social media page. And the reason why is because I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm not against you being socially active. I believe that you should be socially active. And if you want to run for office, heck, if you want to run for president, I believe you should do it. But I'm just not going to be there to endorse you because I'm endorsing only one person and his name's Jesus. So I want to make sure that what I do next is something that you don't think that I'm trying to make some kind of political statement. I was online not too long ago and I saw this t-shirt flash up and I just loved the message on this t-shirt. So I wore it tonight. I'm going to show it to you. I have to put the mic down for a second. Make America grateful again and I thought I like that message make America grateful again so I started I got this shirt and I started wearing it around and some millennial comes up to me and goes that's a really nice grateful dead t-shirt I didn't even know it was a grateful dead t-shirt I just like the message on it hey so I'm a deadhead you know what are you gonna say make America grateful again You see, we live in a culture of complaint. It seems that every voice that is speaking is speaking and they're complaining about something. If we don't stop listening to the complainers, soon we will be complaining too. I believe that as believers, we must be those that have a different message. We have a different shadow to cast. You know, Peter had this aura about him the apostle peter and wherever he went 
This aura came off to him and people were affected by his presence. It's the same with you and I. And from that, I believe that we can create a different culture. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed or just observed how it is that we process change? How we process change in our lives. This is how we process change. Most of the time, it's always from bad to good. We focus on the bad things that we want to change in our life, and we completely ignore and isolate the good things in our life. We've trained our hearts and our eyes to focus on only the bad things in our life, and that is a huge trap. Our lives, our thoughts, and our hearts become consumed by the bad things that we want to change. So today, I want to present you with something that I believe can produce a radical transformation in your life and in your experience with God. Maybe we could just even call it a reset. All right? So tonight I have one verse for you. It's Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. Philemon 1, verse 6. And I'm going to be reading out of the King James Bible. I'm going complete old school on you tonight. Philemon 1, 6. And it says this, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it again. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. This verse is speaking to us about our faith. And faith is a big deal with God. And more than speaking to us just about our faith in general, it's speaking to us specifically about our faith becoming effective. If you're going to do business with God, you're going to have to do business with God on the basis of faith. That's the way it works. In America, if you're going to do business, you're going to do business with dollars, right? You're going to do business with cold, hard cash. That's the only thing that's going to get any business done here in America. We used to have an old old van that we traveled in until last year. We got a new van in January of 2017. I actually drove the van here a couple of times. We named it the White Pearl. And the subtitle was, It's a White Trash Treasure. Because this thing was like so sad. It was so sad that one of my pastor friends finally came to me and said, Jimmy... You cannot drive that van anymore. I'm going to help you raise the money to get you a new van. And he did. But we had this old van. We were out on the East Coast one time. We started back to Kansas City. And as we got to about Indiana, it just kept going slower and slower. And by the time we got to Kansas City, the top speed was 45 miles an hour. And I took it to the dealership, to the Dodge dealership, and they came out and they said, well, your catalytic converter is clogged and it's going to cost $1,200. I'm like, man, I got to think about that for a minute. So I went home and I was talking to my next door neighbor and he said, no, no. He says, don't take it to the dealer. He said, take it over the hill to Riverside, Missouri to Ray's Muffler. And if you take Ray a plate of food, the price will be cheaper. And so I go talk to Ray, and he comes out, and he says, yeah, your catalytic converter is clogged. It's going to be $300 cash money. 
You see, if you're going to do business with Ray, he doesn't want a credit card. He doesn't want a check. The only thing that Ray speaks and does work for is cash money. And if you're going to do business with God, you're going to have to do business with God on the basis of faith. There's all kinds of needs in our world. And there's nothing that happens to the great needs that are in our world right now until a man or a woman steps into that need with faith and God shows up in that place and begins to work. Faith is the commodity of exchange with God. You might have all kinds of needs in your life and seemingly nothing happens to those needs, but when you meet those needs by faith, all of a sudden those needs are much smaller because after all, all things are impossible to him who believes. So if you and I were to focus today on every good thing that is in us, what would we be talking about right now? Some of us have a hard time finding anything good in us. And to that I would say that your judgment is wrong. Some of us spend our lives beating ourselves up for the mistakes that we've made, for the things that we get wrong, for the errors and judgment that we make. Self-judgment may be the worst kind of judgment at all. At least it is the most inaccurate. Finding good in yourself is a sign of maturity. Our verse tells us that we're, our faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Finding good and seeing good in yourself is the beginning of a happy life. God sees good in you. In fact, God sees great value in you. And so should you. Why is that so important that we find good in ourselves? Because God sees great value in us and we should not discount what God calls valuable. And he sees that value in us. And he is waiting for us to not only see it in ourselves, but to see it in other people. Actually, the spirit, the prophetic spirit is actually this. That that's on a person where they can see good in other people. The Bible tells us that the New Testament, the call of the New Testament prophet and the, the manifestation of that gift is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And if you say that you have a prophetic edge on your life, then you need to be those people that are out finding and seeing good in other people and speaking the truth of the word of God into that person's life and watching those good things spring out of them that are in them also. Discounting what God sees as valuable is a trap and it can create a, a culture of lack in our life. Lack is where we never see all the benefits that we presently have, all of the good things that are in us. When I talk to you about that tonight, I'm talking to you about right now, this very, this present moment. I'm not talking about what's going to come in the future. I'm not talking about what's happened to you in the past. I'm talking about right now in this moment where you are. 
The sense of lack is the root of all temptation, and it's the root of all unbelief. Instead of us focusing on everything that we don't have or everything that is broken in our life and allowing that to overwhelm us and create this culture where we're never good enough, we're never measuring up, we're always failing, and we're focused on those things that we can't change ourselves, how about we twitch that focus and begin to do what the verse tells us to do, to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. To acknowledge, it means to accept or admit the existence of truth, to accept the good things. Number two, it means to recognize the fact or importance or quality. We're going to acknowledge this. God is saying, look, if you'll begin to acknowledge this, if you'll begin to admit the truth of the good things that are in you, If you begin to, number two, to recognize the good things that are in you. And number three definition of acknowledge means this. To show that you've noticed. To show that you've noticed. You read a little further in the definition and it actually says to tip your hat. Now in Texas, I believe some of y'all have that in your heritage. That you would tip your hat. And so let's say you're going through your day and you come across some of the good things that are in you in Christ. You know what God's looking for you to do? He's looking for you to tip your hat and acknowledge to him and to recognize back to him that you see the reality of who Jesus is in your life. The in Christ realities, if you study the, just the New Testament, if you go to, go to a search engine on the internet and type in the phrase in Christ reality, there's a couple of websites there that will come up and they're nothing but verse after verse of the verses that, say, that are about being in him, by him, through him, from him, all of these things. And these are things that are a New Testament reality, a right now present tense truth to every one of us that's born again. And the Lord wants us to begin to see the reality of our identity in Christ. Because after all, when we're born again, we become a new creature. In fact, all of the good things in your life began when you were born again. They began when you were born again. And I just, you know, I just get freaked out about this whole born again deal. You know, it's like, man, how cool is that? How in the world could God come up with something as cool as being born again? It freaks me out. That's a hippie term in case you didn't realize that. It freaks me out. It does. All of the things that happened in the moment that we're born again is so incredible. Jesus said it like this. He said, you must be born again. And when we, by faith, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, things just begin to happen. I mean, I don't know how quick God works, but he works really fast. Because when we're born again, the Bible tells us that he somehow, he reaches into us. He grabs a hold of our hard, stony, indifferent, given to sin heart. 
in less than a heartbeat, he rips it out of his out of our chest and he puts in a new heart. And this heart is pliable, it's teachable, it's got the word of God written on it, a new operating system for our lives. All of that happens within less than a heartbeat. I don't know how God does that, but it's absolutely unbelievable that when you were born again, all of a sudden you who were given to a sin nature, which was your default response. That was your default response to life. It's like nobody had to teach me how to sin. You get around a little baby, they start talking, they immediately start lying. Who taught them that? It's a default response. You know, they got this sin nature that's born into us all. But when we're born again, that sin nature is completely gone. The Lord said, he said, I'll give you not only a new heart, but I'll give you a new spirit. We get a new genetic. We get a new DNA. And we're no longer bound by the failures and the shortcomings of our parents and our ancestors. We have a new DNA pumping in our blood. Now, I know this. I know how incredibly powerful this is personally because when Sherry and I met Jessica, our daughter, in 2011, when she was 38 years old, guess what? She's just like me. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, she is just like me. I've never, I'd never heard her voice. I'd never, you know, seen her smile. I'd never have any way of influencing her. But all of a sudden, 38 years later, we connect and she's like me. It's absolutely incredible. She has my DNA flowing in her body. And when we're born again, all of a sudden we get this new genetic that comes into us that's given to us from our Heavenly Father. And all of these good things that He has in His ancestry, all of these things that He has demonstrated by His character, by His behavior, by His love for us, those things are all alive to us. And then we're no longer given to a sin nature, but we get a new nature that's a gift from our elder brother Jesus. He gives us the gift of righteousness and it is our new nature. So now instead of being given to the sin nature of it, all of a sudden we have this hunger and this desire for the righteous things of God by natural default, all because we say yes to Jesus. And all of these incredible things begin to happen in our life just because we say yes to Jesus. And so many times we just discount all of those things. We allow the, we allow the mistakes that we make and the flaws that we have and the learned behavior that we demonstrate to dominate us. And you and I have to be those that change our perception or renew our mind to the truth so that instead of cutting ourselves down instead of constantly feeling the guilt and shame of our mistakes that we begin to focus on those good things that are in us in Christ. And not just focus on them, but we begin to acknowledge them. We begin to admit that they exist. We begin to recognize those characteristics in us. And we begin to acknowledge them, to show God that we understand and that we receive his goodness in our life. It's such an encouraging thing when we make this subtle shift. 
We don't ignore those things that are broken in us. We don't run from those things that are broken in us. We deal with those things that are broken in us. But they're overtaken by us, by us pondering, meditating, believing, reading about all of the good things that Jesus accomplished for us and gave us as a gift. And I don't know about you, but it's so wonderful to me. You know, I've been doing this 41 years, and it's so wonderful to me to see the reality of Christ in us and to begin to magnify Jesus in our lives, begin to acknowledge the good things that he gave to us. I can just see some of you getting a hold of this and you'd be walking down the street. I believe you get Pastor Bird a 10-gallon cowboy hat. He can be a cowboy. And uh, get him some chaps and a little plaid shirt and a leather vest. And, and about every other step he'd take, he'd be tipping that hat, saying, thank you, Jesus. He'd be walking down the street. He'd be thinking about something else. He'd just go, thank you, Jesus. Just getting all those good things down in our hearts and we began to rehearse those things and guess what happens then? All of a sudden those good things just overtake us. They became those things that are the air that we breathe. We begin to breathe those things in and all of a sudden the, the thing that we see in front of us that is the brightest is Jesus. And I hope tonight that you're encouraged. See, we can't work to get this thing to happen. Jesus did all the work that made all these things happen. It's not something we earned by our behavior. It's something he earned for us by his behavior. And he gives it to us as a gift. And the only requirement that is left for us to, to do is just simply believe. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must we do that we might do the works of God? And Jesus said, believe. It's not a system of do's and don'ts. It's not karma where you're getting good for good and bad for bad. We get all of our bad given to Jesus and he gives us all of his goodness. And then we recognize that goodness, it causes us to change our mind. And that's what repentance is. It causes us to repent, to change our mind. When we see its goodness, it causes us to have a different view of ourselves, of our planet, and how we relate to people. You know that this, this little area down here in front. I want to come down there. We, call, we, call, we used to call this the altar. I don't know if you all still call it that or not. But this, you know, this isn't the dance floor. All right. Some places I go to, this is the dance floor. Uh, they call this the altar. And typically we, we bring our broken things to the altar. 
There are other kinds of offerings that we can bring. And we can bring an offering of thanksgiving. And we can begin to see the reality of our culture changed because we are people of gratitude. Listen, do you know what the absence of gratitude is? Entitlement. And we live in a culture of entitled people. such a powerful manifestation of the presence of Jesus to be in our lives. You know, I was thinking the other day, actually I was thinking today, I was washing my face. I just walked over and lifted up the faucet in the hotel room and pure, clean water came out of it. And I had to stop and just say, God, satisfied people and let it not be the testimony that people have when they see you and I let us be those people that are so full of acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ that we don't have room for any other words in our lives but words of gratitude and thanksgiving to God so sometimes come up to the altar in church you just come up for pre-service prayer whatever instead of bringing something broken why don't you bring something that's whole and just come up and say thank you Jesus for all the good things that you've given to me when you train your eye in such a way where you can see those good things, it'll change your life. I'll tell one more story and then I'll quit. I have a, a friend that helps me with some of our business things from time to time, some of our promotion and different things at different events. And he called me one day and he says, I want this, I want this specific picture of you at this festival that you played at. And I knew the picture. And so that meant I had to go back to my Dropbox and look through years and years of pictures. And while I was doing it, I found two pictures caught my eye. It was a picture of my daughter Amanda on her eighth birthday. And she was standing in our kitchen holding a teddy bear that she got for her eighth birthday. And then a few minutes later, I came across the picture of my son Jason. And he was about seven years old and he was on the floor in the living room of our house playing with a little kitten. And as I continued to scroll through these pictures, the Lord asked me a question. He 
He said, Jimmy, what did you feel when you saw those pictures? And I knew immediately. I felt regret. Because we were po, we was po folks. I mean, we, if it was Christmas, all we were exchanging were glances, man. It's like we were broke, you know, so close to being without food, so close to being homeless. And that's all I could feel was just the grief of not being able, everything that I couldn't give at that time in those moments. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jimmy, you need good eyes. And immediately a verse in Luke popped into my mind where Jesus said, if your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is evil, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And I said, I repent. And I went back and looked at those pictures and I saw the joy of my two of my children without a care in the world enjoying a moment of pleasure. And I had to eradicate all of that lack out of my life. So I encourage you tonight to see things with good eyes, to see the good that's in you and to see the good that's in other people and touch that good with the presence of the Holy Spirit.